30-minute reviews, beware of spoilers, and exploring hyperspace lanes are all available ad-free. But if you want to support the show, you can go to bewareofspoilers.com and click the support button that's available on the Spotify website. Thank you. Good evening, and welcome to 30 Minute Reviews. I am Adam, a day late, because we've been busy with other shit, um, but here we are. Uh, so, let's see, what have we got on today's itinerary? Let me take a look at what I got scheduled here. We are going to talk about Adventure Time Distant Lands, that's for certain, um, and we are going to talk about, you know, let's talk about Rebel Moon. I don't think we've talked enough about Rebel Moon on this show, um, because Zack Snyder is a topic of conversation I try to avoid. Um, because Zack Snyder, as a human, is kind of a lightning rod for any vitriolic answer on on the internet. Um, if someone doesn't like Zack Snyder, then they will agree with you and, and cause arguments. If someone does like Zack Snyder, they will scream at you about, what's it called, about... Uh, you know, about about how you're wrong and he's, like, the greatest thing ever. It's kind of why I didn't do Bo is Afraid on Beware of Spoilers when that movie came out. Because it's like, I just don't want to deal with that. Like, I don't want to deal with the negativity that comes along with potentially not liking an Ari Aster movie. And it's kind of the same thing here. That said, we are going to do Rebel Moon this December. But it's a weird situation, uh, regardless. Um... Either way, we're going to talk... Oh, wait, we also have uh, the length of the Marvels to talk about. So, let's talk first about Zack Snyder and and Rebel Moon. Um, When I watched the trailer for Rebel Moon, my first thought was, this looks like if someone knew that Star Wars was based on Dune, and was like, well, let's lean more into the Dune aspects of of the narrative, and that's what this is. It, 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 It doesn't strike me... And look... I've said it before about this, and I'll say it again. Kudos to Zack Snyder for taking a pitch and and making his own thing about it. If after it doesn't get you know after it didn't get the traction it wanted, um, because famously he brought this into Lucasfilm before it was acquired by Disney, or right after it was acquired by Disney, and was like, "Look, I I don't." you know, I, I want to make an R-rated Star Wars movie, and they're like, what, are you fucking nuts? We're not going to do that. And they sent him out, and he's going to make his own ver- He's going to do that movie now. And and good for him, and good for him for not just sitting here and being like, oh, well, Disney wouldn't let me do my movie. You know, I would have done it better. Well, he's going to put up a, he, you know, I, I appreciate a director who, who who will, you know, put up or shut up. And and he is putting up. So, so good for him on that front. Good for him, and I appreciate him doing that. That said... And, 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 and to that end, I feel kind of weird about it being like, well, it's Star Wars, and it's like, it looks a lot like Star Wars, and it's like, well, yeah, it started as a Star Wars script, so that makes sense. Um, and, and people were saying, like, oh, well, it perfectly encapsulates the issue with with it, and it's like, we'll get into it a little bit more in a little bit, because you'll have the Spiderwick Chronicles news, but, you know, this this idea that, you know, Disney was only caring about established IPs, it, in, in 2012, when they bought Lucasfilm, they had to the goal was to prove viability. So, like, yeah, leaning into what people already knew was probably the smart play um, at that time. Um, 
is what you consider them hadn't been Star Wars for general audiences, excluding like the Clone Wars and stuff like that. I mean, there was a Clone Wars theatrical movie that absolutely bombed, but before that, you know, it was, uh, what's it called? Before that, it was um, Revenge of the Sith in 2005. So you, you didn't need to do that. But this idea that, you know, he's doing this movie, and I think that when you watch this movie, it perfectly encapsulates the essence of who a Zack Snyder movie is for. And when you look through his filmography, it's fairly obvious. Zack Snyder makes movies for people who never progressed past middle school in terms of understanding what makes something mature. Because it's very much, if you asked, like, edgy, like, 12-year-old, 13-year-old me how to make a mature story, it would be make it bloody, make it violent, make them curse a lot, and make it, um, and, and, and make it sexual. That would have been my answer, because that is, to a middle schooler, how you make something mature. It's not, like, and then when you look at, like, the difference between mature and, and you know, quote-unquote mature, which is what this is, is look at Defenders on Netflix. Those are mature shows. There's blood, yes, and they, they make use of it, but the, the plot of these shows go into deeper topics. There is, you know, when you look at, like, his view of the DC Universe, when you look at his take on a zombie story in the form of Army of the Dead, if you look at this, it's like, oh, it's Star Wars with sex, blood, uh, sex, violence, and cursing. It's like, that's not selling me on the movie. And the other thing is, they said like, oh, it's a, he said it's a, a uh, it, it, the movie's influenced by Star Wars, Dune, um, Kurosawa, Samurai movies, and Chronicles of Riddick. To which I say, well, the original Star Wars in 1977 was based on Dune, was, was inspired by Dune. And Kurosawa movies, like if you look at Lucas's influences, it's the same. So like, okay, so you're so it's it's Star Wars and Chronicles of Riddick, which is not exactly a ringing endorsement for something that would make me, if I'm an executive, go, "This is what I need." And to say that it's just oh, it's Star Wars with sex and cursing and and all that, I'm not saying that like oh, to do that and do it straight. But what I'm saying is pitching it that way is not making me want to see it. The people who will make that want to see it are people who are like, well, Star Wars isn't mature enough because there isn't that. And I think that that is the type of person that 300 is for. It's hyper-masculine. It is bloody. It's the women are very hot. It's, it is it, it is a, a movie for that type of person. And, and to Zack Snyder's credit, he makes those movies very well. He does a good job of making those movies to the point where when he tries to make other movies, it doesn't quite work. And it's why on paper, Zack Snyder uh, adapting Watchmen works and why Zack Snyder adapting Dark Knight Returns works. In practice, it's a little bit mixed, but it is what it is. So when I like my expectations on this are pretty muted. I'm not going into this movie when it comes out in December, like waving the flag high and being like, this is great. I'm anticipating it to pull from Dune and for it to be one of two things. Either a complete misunderstanding of what Dune is and what it stands for, which I think is a possibility because I think Zack Snyder at one point was attached to do a movie about the Fountainhead, which is an Ayn Rand book. Um, but it's either going to be that or the most superficial thing that people are going to act like is deep, which has been the case for Zack Snyder's run on DC. And if you need an example of that, like, 
Zack Snyder's run on DC is it, people act like, oh, you don't understand it. It's like, no, we understand it. It's just dumb. It's like the the criticism of the Martha scene is that it's it's too on the nose. The issue with the scene that everyone shits on is him saying save Martha and then him why did you say that name? The issue is it's too on the nose. Where going with a different line works better and gets the same effect. Because at that point, we have re- we have reached the 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 crux of the conflict. Batman doesn't see Superman as someone who is human or has attachments to humanity. He sees Superman as an extraterrestrial threat who is one bad day away from destroying everyone. And for him to say, you know, save Martha, like, my thing with this scene is, Batman doesn't know the extent of Superman's powers. How does he know Superman's not a telepath? Like, how does he know Superman, or Superman didn't read about, like, that's the thing, is he, 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 Bruce Wayne is one of the most documented men on the planet at this point. So, like, what, you think that it's possible that Superman didn't investigate? Because it's very obvious that Superman knows who Bruce Wayne is, that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Like, I don't think that's a, that's a thing. What, you think that it's not possible that he read online that your, that your, your mother was killed in a, uh, in, in a shooting in an alley? Like, what he should have said in that moment is, save my mother, or, or just, like, don't get it to the point where he's about to be killed. He just, like, look, kill me if you want. But Lex Luthor's holding my mother hostage. And, 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 like, that would have gotten across everything so much cleaner and so much better. It's like, you, like, you don't have to get it to the point where one's on top of the other holding the knife to the neck, and then he's he only got time to eke out one word. It's like, if he beats him senseless, and as he's walking over with the spear, with the kryptonite spear, and he says to him, do what you will to me, but Lex Luthor has my mother. Save her. Like, that would have done wonders for that scene to make it work a little bit better. And that is the level of subtlety that we deal with with Zack Snyder. Save Martha is a problem because it's, it, 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 yes, it's meant to be an appeal to super to Batman's humanity. And, it, and it's, it's Batman realizing that Superman does have humanity in him. But the issue is it's, it's too on the nose and too ham-fisted. And then to follow that up, with the flashback back to Crime Alley, it's like, we get it. We understand this. You're being too on the note. And, and it doesn't have to be this way. Like, the other way works better and is more subtle. And to that end, we have this issue where he is, you know, he, he does these things. And it's like, I think that if he's going to interpret it and do a version of Dune, which I get a little bit of when I watch that trailer, I'm like, I can you can definitely see that he watched Dune or he watched or he read Dune at some point and he's like, well, I can do that a little bit differently. And I, I get the feeling that it's going to be a ham-fisted version of the the critique of religion intertwined with government that Dune is, which, you know, it, it's disappointing we won't be able to talk about Dune this year until, until March. But it, that is the thing where it's like we watch this, this movie and it's like, you know, that's going to be, that's kind of an issue that I have with this, I think. So on to our next story. The next story is we have a reported runtime for the Marvels, which is coming out in uh, November, uh, the first week in November. Um, no, wait, second week in November. First week in November was Dune. Dune is now asking schedules. That first week, we don't have anything. 
Um, there may be something, but I just don't know off the top of my head. We we now have a, a runtime for the Marvels that I think is just fantastic news. I'm going to be honest. Um, and if you listen to Beware of Spoilers, you will not be shocked by this. The movie is clocked in at an hour and a half. To which I say, thank you, Marvel. I am exhausted with these fucking long movies. I go to the movies, and every single movie is two hours, if not two and a half, if not longer. Not every movie needs to be a fucking epic. Not every movie needs to be so long, I gotta get up and get a, a, and refill my drink, I gotta get up and go to the bathroom. And keep it, like, feature length is an hour and a half or more. That's not a challenge. Like, you can do the hour and a half, and it's fine. Like, this weekend we're seeing Bottoms. Bottoms is an hour and a half. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm more likely to be lenient to a shitty movie if it's an hour and a half. If you sit there and have me sit through a movie and it's, like, two hours, and I'm like, there's definitely a half hour worth of shit to cut here. Like, like, like it's not just Marvel. It's, it's everyone. Because, like, I watched, like, you know, Blue Beetles, two hours and change. That movie could have been cut down. Shazam, Fury of the Gods was two hours and change. That could have been cut down. Um, like, if you're going to make a movie that long, like, if you're going to do, like, Oppenheimer, like, um, what was the other one? Like, uh, uh, Oppenheimer was, was three hours, um, John Wick was three hours, um, like, I, I, and, and, and look, let's be real, I am going to see Killers of the Flower Moon, which is clocking in at, at three and a half hours. Like, the, the issue I have with this is... Make it worth my while. And the thing is, too, with a, a three-and-a-half-hour movie, I'm going to be in the theater for about four hours because AMC runs every trailer it possibly can before every movie. So keep your movies tight. You don't need to make them this long unless the narrative requires it. And a lot of times, these movies don't require the runtimes that they have. Keep it short. Like, I don't need a meandering extra subplot that doesn't go anywhere. It, if it doesn't add to the main plot of the story, just cut it. Just cut it out and, and, and keep it out. Allegedly, there was a, a thing with a musical planet in this movie that they've cut most of that. Great. Great. You know what? I, I know it was probably expensive to shoot that, and you're not going to have any return on that. Cut anything that doesn't add to the plot. Like, keep it simple. Like, and I think that, too... Marvel needs to do more than ever because people are starting to get tired of these movies that are overly long. And it's like, if I'm going to go to the theater this long, why is that? Like, Indiana Jones did not have to be three and a half hours long. Like, you know, Blue Beetle, we talked about, like, Quantumania was two and a half. That movie did not need to be two and a half hours long. Keep the runtime short. I saw people speculating that this is a, a, a thing that the movie isn't good. I disagree. I think that this is a sign that they have this movie, you know, they have the narrative nice and tight and done. I My only concern is general audience reception because people know who Captain Marvel is because Captain Marvel was in, you know, was in Endgame and she had her own movie already. My concern is how closely is this going to, like, how much are we going to have to spend reintroducing Monica and reintroducing Kamala? Because Monica was a character already in, um, what's it called, in, in WandaVision, and Kamala had her own show. So, if we gotta sit here and we gotta reintroduce all these characters, then we, we could have an issue, we could have a potential issue. But, if we're just going, and we're gonna do this whole, you know, this whole thing without, you know, if this can 
do it if they can do it right, this is a great sign for me. Um, because I, I, I again love an hour and a half movie. Um, what am I seeing tomorrow? Equalizer. Equalizer. I feel like is a little over two. Um, but look, if you can keep your movie tight, if you can keep the runtime short, I, I, I love that about a movie. Um, like Equalizer three. I'm looking at my ticket. Oh, hour forty nine. That's nice too. Like Landscape with Invisible Hand was short. Gran Turismo was kind of long. Uh, Meg to the Trench, needlessly long. Um, definitely needlessly long. Um, I'm just looking at my list. Teenage Ninja Turtles is kind of short. Haunted Mansion was two and a half. That didn't need to be two and a half. Uh, Barbie was an hour and a half. Good. Mission Impossible was almost three. All right, I'll deal with that. Like, keep the run times low, and you will have me happy. Um, but yeah, so... Our final story, I looked at my list, that's the last story, so we'll talk about a little bit uh, Adventure Time, Distant Lands, the four episodes that came out on uh, each on the artist formerly known as HBO Max uh, a few years ago at this point, um, and it is a con- the continued adventures of what's going on in the world of Adventure Time after, you know, the story wraps up in the finale. I... One of the things I really like about it is the ability to add context to things we already know. Um, like, I do love... Like, I think Obsidian's the best episode of the three. I did really like the Finning Jake Death one. I liked the, Wizards, the Wizard one. And I did like the, the BMO one. I For me, the BMO episodes have always been kind of the weakest. Um, like, when I watched the main show, the BMO episodes were the ones that never really connected with me. I never really got into those to the point where it's like... I, I look forward to watching these when they would come up. It's like those and the Grables. I was like, this isn't really my jam. Um, especially when they did like BMO Noir and all that. Um, a BMO origin story was pretty interesting, though. I like the way they did that. Um, and I think that, you know, to have it be this story of what happened to him immediately before meeting Finn and Jake is such an interesting thing to do. Um, that said, the strongest episode is the Marceline and, and, and um, Empress of Bubblegum uh, Bubble episode. Like, far and away, uh, with the two of them happily in a relationship and, and Marceline not being able to tap into her rage, getting that backstory about Marceline. And I think one of the things that I enjoy about this is that it really truncates the timeline a little bit. Like it really shortens the timeline of how long it's like, how long everything's been going on in an interesting way, because it doesn't make it feel like it feels like, Ooh, is a more recent development. Um, that that it is a a, a far out you know thing that happened, um, and, and it feel it makes it feel like the 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 this new world that they're living in is a a fairly new development um, after you know everything that went wrong because I think that that was one of my my issues with like you know I remember watching back and being like well why does in in the in the alternate timeline episode where um where the, the bomb doesn't go off and Finn, um, what's it called? Like, why is that so close? Why does Finn get born there? Like, why does that would have happened the way it does? And then on top of that, why does Finn turn so quickly with the, with the ice King's crown? Why did he make that turn when it felt like Simon was going, you know, it took Simon longer to get to that point. And I think the, the truncating the timeline, the way this episode does, makes it very interesting. 
and gets it to the point where it's like, oh, now it kind of ties up a little bit better. Um, I love the weird fascination that, you know, they, they have with, like, the Cheers universe, because, like, in that episode, Simon and Marcy, and I think it was, like, season five, it's like, they use the, the theme song, the Cheers, for a key emotional moment, and I think it really worked there. Here, you get the Frasier theme song, and I was like, because at first you hear it, and you're like, wait, hold on. And then it's like, no, that is the Fraser theme song. Um, and it makes sense because it is fairly recent. I'm interested to see where Fiona and Cake fits into this. Um, because Fiona and Cake is an alternate timeline. And we'll be talking about Fiona and Cake when the episodes start coming out this week. Um, so we'll have that. We'll have, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit deeper. But this is this one is just so interesting. Because like, even like the idea of the Glass Kingdom being what it is, is is so cool and you know the the you know going and dealing with death and then instead of dealing with death going and dealing with the the concept of life in the finn and jake episode is also a really cool expansion of the world and and the bemo episode where it's like the humans left that's why and for them to have gone out into space and 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 done what they did everything about the world of adventure time is so engaging and awesome that i think that it it makes it worth a watch, even this far out. There are certain things that age very well in media. Like, I was talking to Peter about it today. Like, Super Mario 3, immaculate game to this day. If you go on Switch Online and play the NES version, it is just as fun as it was back then. It's still, like, a top-tier 2D Mario side-scroller. Uh, if you play the, the, the Advance version for the Game Boy Advance, perfect experience with that game. It is still just as fun as it was all those years ago, almost almost 35 years ago at this point. Um, and to that end, I think Adventure Time is one of those things that ages very well, too, because it was the one that built out this world and built out this style of storytelling for, for narrative children's programming. Um, and it's the kind of thing where it's like I watched, you know, like this, I watched a regular show in Infinity Train, and I never watched Over the Garden Wall. i got to find a DVD of it somewhere because it's not on Max anymore. But... I would highly recommend that you go out and watch this. And we'll be starting with the Fiona and Cake stuff on Beware of Spoilers. But we'll wrap up there for today. Uh, so a quick thing about what we have going on over the next you know, week to month or so. Starfield Review will be going up at some point in September. Um, we'll be doing a review of uh, the Pokemon DLC, the Teal Mask, when, when that comes out. Um, Fiona and Cake will be adding to the thing. We do weekly episodes about uh, Ahsoka over on... Beware of spoilers. Every time an Ahsoka episode comes out, we talk about it. Uh, we're going to be finishing up telemarketers. We're going to do the first four episodes of Wheel of Time. I think that's going to be on Friday because that is um, the day the embargo lifts, I believe. Um, and we won't do, again, spoiler-free. Um, spoiler-free discussion. But we, we are going to be getting into some of that cool stuff in the near future. Uh, in terms of movies, tomorrow, Equalizer 3, Friday, Bottoms, and then we will be back with more shit as it happens. Um, if you want to keep track of what we have going on, you can go to mwpnews.com, where we have we have links to all the episodes, uh, Spotify links to the new episodes of the podcast, and we have a ton of other stuff on there. We'll be doing reviews of movies on there as well, and video games and TV shows. Uh, in October, we have a book to do, too. We'll be talking about that a little bit in the future as well. I was hoping it wouldn't be the only Dune thing, but apparently it is. So until our next episode, have a great rest of your week.